Talking Illinois High School Football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. Once again, joined by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, here we are, week eight. We're recapping and we're previewing week nine with the playoffs knocking on the door. The season has flown by, but man, we got a ton to talk about. Yeah, I wish we had some, maybe some unlicensed Christmas music, maybe. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I think we said the same thing at the beginning of the year, but this is really when it starts to get uh, it starts to get real for a lot of teams and, and really an exciting uh, a playoff season is, is going to be upon us again real soon. So like cue up the song, like it's the most wonderful time of the year like that. That's what we're looking at here. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe we'll save that for, for the playoff, uh, the playoff preview show, but you get what I'm saying. It's, it's really getting close and we're down to one final week of regular season. And then, uh, then it's a uh, go time. Absolutely. So we, uh, you know, Mitch, you were, you were perusing, you were hounding Twitter on Friday night, the view from mm-hmm. the West podcast, Twitter account that's at view from West pod. If you want to follow along on Friday nights, Mitch does a great job on there. I was uh, walking the sidelines at Monmouth Roseville covering the uh, Erie Provincetown Monmouth Roseville game for WQAD. Um, we, after the, after the show was over at WQAD, we did our instant reacts podcast. So anyone who hasn't heard that, I encourage you to go out and listen to our instant reacts from week eight. We kind of break down a lot of different scores and run through, you know, a little bit of everything in that podcast. That one's the unscripted, kind of just unformatted. We just hit record and just start talking. So that's, you know, that's kind of the beauty or the ugly or the genius or however you want to phrase it. It is what it is. So uh, go out and listen to Instant Reacts if you haven't heard that yet. Because Mitch, you need to listen to the Instant Reacts because how else are you going to find the results game by game for all of them in from 1967. Brian Stocking busted out in five minutes without even batting an eye. Yeah, I, I would think a lot of the players that we cover don't even know what a flash drive is or what it looks like. And <laughs> he has them filled with stats from decades ago. So, uh, yeah, only only at the Reacts pod will you find nuggets like that. That's yeah, it's like Dazzle put him on the spot and man, it, he didn't yes. even flinch. He just nope. pulled it up right there had it ready to go it was unbelievable so uh yeah so go out and listen to instant reacts if you haven't heard it it's a good time so mitch we're here to talk week nine we're going to recap week eight coming up around the corner is the playoffs coming up this coming saturday playoff pairings will be announced for the illinois high school football season um the brackets will be unveiled that that saturday night that's always a great time that's always when, you know, the most debate or the most banter comes up. I actually have been invited to go meet up with our buddy Kyle Kampmeyer from NUICfootball.com. So on Saturday night, as the playoff pairings are being announced, I'll be sitting in live with Kyle and um, a couple other uh, personalities, a couple other hosts from, uh, you know, different people that know high school football from around the area. And we'll be breaking down the brackets as they come up live. You can join us on YouTube. If you head to NUIC football on YouTube, seven o'clock will be on YouTube live breaking down the brackets. So I'm looking forward to that. Mitch, are you going to watch along and like, uh, you know, chime in, leave some comments on there. Or, uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll be trying to, to get any of that content that uh, that'll be available on, on Saturday night. You know, we'll probably have the potential to have 20 some teams in our area uh, across multiple different uh, 
you know, classes uh, to cover for at least one more week. So that's really exciting. So yeah, I'm looking to see uh, where some teams will land, how some teams fare in terms of what class they're going to play in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, even though we're, we're getting the end of the regular season, the, the playoffs almost seem like a completely new season with, with as much going on as we do in the area. Yeah, I never know how, how to quite define this time of year. It's so exciting. It's the most exciting part of the football season because there's so much to debate and the bracket breakdown and who's going to get in, who's not going to make the cut, who wins their conference, all the things. But then once you get into games, a team loses and they're done. And then another mm-hmm. team loses and they're done. And you just like, as teams start to fall by the wayside, you think, man, it's coming to an end. It's, it's almost yep. over. So it's, it's that, it's that bittersweet, but it's also, it, it's still the best. So like I said, Saturday night, when the brackets are being uh, unveiled by the IHSA, head to NUIC football on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube and we'll be there live talking about it, breaking down the teams from this side of the state and break, breaking down teams from all over the state but we'll be talking about those smaller schools that we talk about here. So it's going to be a ton of fun. And Mitch, me and you plan on um, doing an episode this time next week, and it'll be our playoff preview. So we'll have um, plenty of sources for everyone to listen into and, uh, you know, get our, get our opinions, but also just kind of break down, break it, bracket breakdown. Easy for me to say, we'll, (laughs) we'll get it all. We'll get it all in there and we'll get get it all figured out. Yeah, you guys will have more of a kind of like an instant reacts type of show where you'll be getting the, the pairings. And maybe by the time that we record on Monday, we'll do a little bit more research and maybe maybe look at a couple more matchups in depth. So, uh, yeah, again, I, I can't wait. Yep, for sure. So, Mitch, last week was breaking down the NUIC and their de facto conference championship game between Dupec and Lena Winslow. But then we previewed a lot of conferences that had their conference championship games essentially coming up in week eight. Those games being Moline versus Sterling, East Erie Prophetstown versus Monmouth Roseville, and A-Town versus Knoxville. So those three games between the Western Big Six, the Lincoln Trail, and the Three Rivers Conference, all deciding at least teams that would earn a share of a conference championship. So Mitch... Let's get into those games first, and then we'll kind of go through our normal sequence of Western Big Six, track and LTC. Yeah, and just to, to kind of preface this, because we kind of, you know, when we were talking last week on how we, you know, were, were marketing these games as conference championships, in a way that that, that, is, that was true, in a way it was false, in the way that the IHSA sees these things, it was kind of, of a, a unique situation, because in all four conferences, we were seeing undefeated you know, division leaders. So even though the teams that won, won and earned their share, even if they were to lose in week nine, they would still hold the tiebreaker over the team that they beat. And the IHSA in their eyes would give that team the automatic spot from the conference. So while we were true uh, that these games were de facto conference championships, they weren't quite official. Although in the eyes of the IHSA, even if these teams lose in week nine, they still get the automatic spot. All right. Well, there you go. Mitch, you're earning your, you're earning your pay here. You're giving the, you're giving the good information. Uh, thanks to Kyle from NUIC for uh, <laughs> telling me how that worked. <laughs> he's the, he's the Seuss of uh, small school football. Yeah. You know, he, he, he knows this stuff. You can't get anything past that guy. He's a great resource for us. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Good, good knowledge to have there. Well, Mitch, let's jump into those conference championships. The big games we talked about. We'll start with the big schools. We'll start with the big one in the Western Big Six. 
Moline gets the win 38 to 7 over Sterling. So they continue to look great. Sterling marched down to the opening drive of the game. They get down to the five yard line. They have a bad snap. Field goals, no good. So they end up with a turnover. Moline would respond on a long drive. Gavin Gray scores from three yards out, his 10th touchdown of the year. So Moline grabs early momentum with the lead. Sterling quarterback Drew Kested would break Moline's 18 quarter scoreless streak with a quarterback keeper on the first play of the second quarter. But then less than a minute later, Alec Ponder throws deep to Matthew Bailey, 64-yard touchdown. The Molines were up from there. They would take the lead for good. Alec Ponder ends up throwing 228 yards and two touchdowns. Moline has now outscored opponents 225-7 to in the last five games, held opponents scoreless in 20 of 21 quarters, which we kind of referenced there. So just just incredible effort that they're putting together this year. Yeah, this was a game that, that I that I watched. Um, I watched it after after the fact. After it was over, I went back and watched it. And you could just tell that, and we can get into this in a minute, with with Sterling's injuries not being at full strength, I, I don't know that it would have mattered or not. But there was nobody on Sterling's defense, no offense to them, that was going to keep up with Matthew Bailey. They They tried to cover him, you know, uh, off the line, safety deep, you know, double coverage. It just did not matter with, with how, with how good he is and how fast he is and how well Alec Ponder throws the ball. So um, it was clear in this game for, for as well as Sterling has been and, and well-deserved that, you know, as, as they were the defending conference champions and been in a spot to win it again, Moline was just on a different level uh, this year and in this game uh, on both sides of the ball. So um, yeah, this is a great win for Moline. Um, if you remember going back to the spring season, uh, Sterling beat them. So they kind of avenged that a little bit. Um, and, uh, they're, they're well on their way to earning this outright next week. Yeah. You referenced it briefly there, but you know, Sterling has really been, um, hurt, you know, really been torn down with injuries here. Uh, they lost Carter Ryan a week ago in the rock Island game. Um, AJ Kested is out. Tyree Kelly is out. Kale Ryan and David Testman have been out all year. And these were significant impact players for Sterling. And I know every team has injuries. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, no excuse. And I don't think they're making excuses either, but you know, the facts are there when you kind of lay it out. Um, It should also be noted that Matthew Bailey was on the sideline. um, Not, not in full uniform. He was not playing in the second half. So I'm not sure what, um, what the situation is there, but certainly for Moline, you hope that, He's back on the field because he's been such a fun player to watch this season. So, you know, it's tough for Sterling to see, you know, not being able to go into this game at full strength because you always kind of wonder what if. Um, But, I mean, at the same time, Moline is playing so well that they certainly earned this win and they earned, you know, every bit of the Western Big Six crown that that they're potentially going to bring home here. Yeah, and just to add to those those injuries too, Antonio Tablante was was kind of banged up in the Rocky game. And so you saw on Sterling's roster a lot of sophomores playing. And so that's kind of the, you know, the opposite side of the coin here is that I think we kind of saw that with them uh, in the spring too with injuries and kind of COVID that they kind of had that rotation of players. So, um, you know, they get the loss here, you know, they, they will maybe not have a share of the conference crown this year. But they have a lot to look forward to because they have a lot of guys coming back. They have a lot of sophomores that have been getting experience. So um, certainly not the uh, the end of, of Sterling's 
time at the top. Maybe not this year, but they'll, they'll be back. No doubt about it. Yeah. So Moline ends up, like we said, with at least a share of the Western Big Six crown. Now, Mitch, around here on this podcast, we don't make many direct predictions. Certainly not yep. week to week. We're not making nope. game predictions. We're not yep. trying to make bulletin board material necessarily. Now, that being said, early this year, before the season started, Mitch, do you remember we retweeted, we retweeted a screenshot of Steve Susie's predictions, not yep. ours, Steve yep. Susie's predictions, and he had Moline at two and seven. Yep. I think both of us kind of looked a little cross-eyed at that and yep. thought, I don't think that's true. Also, now, Galesburg at, also Galesburg at 0-9. They did have Galesburg at 0-9, <laughs> which we didn't, yeah, we really didn't think that would happen either, and that's been proven yep. wrong as well. Yep. But like I said, Mitch, we don't make many predictions, but there was a prediction that we did make So I'd like to have a little view from the West flashback here real quick. This was from our first episode of this season when we're breaking down the storylines heading into the year. Let's take a little listen. Now that I'm thinking about it, we're not going to re-edit this. (laughs) I would would put Moline at my my preseason favorite just with what they bring back at, at quarterback and receiver and that offense. So there you go, Mitch. Yep. You called it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm flattered that I was right. Um, <laughs> but again, that was when we were kind of thinking back to the spring and when we talked to coaches and kind of learned that they were using that kind of, you know, quote unquote free time to really work on some things because they it's football in, in Illinois has probably never been played in the spring before. So they kind of got extra practice, if you want to call it that, going into summer ball. So yeah, I, I just I kind of thought that Moline was was going to do it. And uh, again, I, I'm, I'm happy uh, <laughs> to have predicted that correctly and uh, glad we had it on record. Yeah, well, congratulations to you, Mitch, because like yep. I said, we don't make many predictions, but you did there and you nailed it. So and, Moline, we, never, and we never talk about the wrong ones. That's that's, number that's one. right. Never talk we, about the wrong ones. We'll never talk about who my pick was for the Western Big yeah, Six. So right. moving, moving, moving right along. Let's talk about Three Rivers Athletic Conference. The Three Rivers West Division was up for grabs. The two teams at the top of that division, Erie Prophetstown visiting Monmouth Roseville. This was the game that I got to go cover and stay there for the entire time. And if you know a little bit about, you know, covering high school football for a TV station on a Friday night, if you can stay at one game and not have to travel to multiple spots, man, that is a luxury. So I... I give credit to Matt Randazzo. Let me camp out at this one and really cover the game in full, which is a ton of fun. So Erie Prophetstown ends up getting the 25 to 16 win. I thought both teams played well. We'll get into it real quick here. Monmouth Roseville scored first. Silas Braun connects with Derek Chandler on their first drive of the game to go up eight to nothing. The Titans did a pretty good job throughout the whole game and especially in the first half of keeping Erie Prophetstown offense in check, especially Colby Franks really wasn't going off early in this game, but in one sequence in the first half, I thought it was telling Monmouth Roseville had an eight yard sack for a loss on Colby Franks. The next play, he throws about a 30 yard completion to Jace Grunder and man, they marched down the field, cap it off with a Connor Sibley touchdown. But at that point, they still trailed eight, seven next drive. Monmouth Roseville would respond with a huge passing play 
deep into Erie Prophetstown territory, but they immediately fumble the ball back to the Panthers. The Panthers denied the Titans any points. To me, that was a huge turning point in this game because then you, like I said, they were trailing 8-7 at the half, the Panthers were, but they get the ball to start the half. Immediately, second play from scrimmage, Kobe Franks on a keeper, goes about 50-some yards, huge touchdown, gives Erie Prophetstown the 13-8 lead. They then capitalize on another Titan turnover with great field position. Franks again gets into the end zone. That made it 19-8. The Titans would cut it to 19-16, but Erie Prophetstown responded again on a Mason Misfeld touchdown to lead 25-16, and that's your final score. Overall, I thought it was a great football game. Like I said, I thought Monmouth Roseville had a pretty good scheme drawn up. Defensively, they executed pretty well, but just turnovers you know if you win the turnover battle and they did your Provincetown did they won it two to nothing and that was two big keys to the game which really set up the Panthers for some extra points and that pushed them over the top you know this game had had all the stars at the track you know really, really shining through I think coming into the game Kobe Franks had over 1500 yards and 20 touchdowns um and on the other side Silas Braun had just about 1500 yards uh, of total offense too. Um, and I think he was over 20. So you saw two of the more dynamic quarterbacks that we really cover and, and both in the same division within the same conference. So, um, you know, we don't, we don't see a whole lot of that um, and adding, you know, Sibley and Chandler and, you know, uh, all, all the players on this game. So uh, good to see that this game, you know, kind of, kind of play to our expectations a little bit. Um, and congrats to Erie. They've been such a fun team to, to follow all year. Um, you talked about the, the Colby Franks keeper. I think you tweeted that out, um, which, you know, one great camera work. Um, <laughs> thank you. And, and two, it just, it, it, it really shows how dynamic of a, of a runner he is and what dual threat he is and why they'll, the, the Panthers are going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, con- congrats to Erie. Um, and, and no, you know, uh, I hope that the Titans don't have their heads down because they, they have the talent to, to, make a similar type of run, make similar type of noise in the playoffs too. It's just in this one, someone had to win. And, uh, and Erie came out on top a type of type of game that maybe if they played 10 times, each, each team wins five. Yeah. And I want to talk about both quarterbacks real quick. You kind of did as well. I was really impressed for Monmouth Roseville. Uh, I was really impressed with Silas Braun. I, I like his leadership and I like his playmaking ability when they needed plays. He was making those plays. I mean, they were down 19, eight, and he came up with a huge pass right on the money to C.J. Johnson, grabbed it in stride, you know, for a 41-yard touchdown. I, j- I was really impressed with his, you know, big game ability. And on the flip side, Colby Franks as well. In the second half, when they were trailing by one and had played pretty well up to that point, but just weren't able to put the points up on the board, when they needed a big play, man, he stepped up and made the play. And that's the same thing you saw in the game against Rockridge when I was covering them too. Just repeat it repeatedly, time after time, when the Panthers needed a spark, when they needed a play on offense, he was the guy to step in and do it. So credit to the Panthers. They come away with a share of the conference championship in the Three Rivers West. It's the first conference championship in co-op history. So congratulations to Erie Provincetown for getting the share of the Three Rivers Athletic Conference crown there. Yeah, um, and just a, a you know a, a side note here. I really like Erie Erie's look on the road. Um, yeah, at at home they kind of fall guilty, I'll say, 
to having a dark uniform with dark numbers where they have their black and their black jersey and red numbers kind of can be hard to see sometimes. It's not so bad with those two colors, uh, but it really, really looks sharp under the lights um, when they have their black helmet, all white. Um, and I, I would assume they wear black socks, at least Kobe Franks was. So um, they, they looked good on, uh, uh, on this game too, in, in addition to playing really well. Yep, they look good and they played good. So that, that's a double win. So yep. let's jump into the Lincoln Trail Conference. The conference title was on the line on Saturday night. A-Town gets the 20-19 to 19 win over Knoxville. Mitch, they, this may be in the running for game of the year when we yeah. start talking at the end of the season. This yeah. was this was a barn burner. This was a great football game. Did you get a chance? You were watching this one for a little while, weren't you? Yeah, they had they had it streamed on uh, NFHS, so that was that was good. It was good to see two teams that we we talk about, but really in our area doesn't get a whole lot of media coverage. Uh, you, you know, so we we get the stats and we hear the names and things like that, but it's hard to find highlights sometimes. Um, Knoxville does a great job of you know having personnel on the field, and you know they'll post their cell phone videos. Um, but really for both teams, good to see both, uh, both teams, um, on the field, you know, it was, it was locked up early. Um, I thought Knoxville was doing things that I wasn't expecting them to do, maybe trying to pass more. I, I don't, I don't know if that was just part of the plan. Um, but to be, to be honest, this was probably be a game that I would not have predicted correctly. Just the way that Knoxville was, was beating teams. Um, you know, a town had, uh, injury at the quarterback position last week. Knoxville was the bigger school. Um, so I truthfully, I'll, I took the win with Moline. I'll take a loss here. I would not have predicted this. So, but that's, <laughs> that's the joy of, of the year. Um, and, and two teams new to the LTC this year. You know, who did predict it on the instant reacts podcast Friday night, Brian stocking predicted okay. that a town would come away with the win. So I, th- he called- I think, yeah, I think he said like 36 to 30 or something like that. I think I do uh, remember him saying that. And I thought, I thought he was wrong. <laughs> so he called it out. He had the tornadoes in that one and he was right. So they, t- A-Town took a 12, nothing lead and they led 12, seven at the half. Knoxville trailed as much as 20 to seven in the early fourth quarter before they had two quick touchdown drives to bring them within a point. And that's when the game got really interesting and really fun. Abington Avon freshman nose guard Dusty Schultz on a two-point conversion attempt. Dusty Schultz gets through and gets to Knoxville running back Peyton Hankins to make the tackle on what ended up being the game-deciding two-point try with a minute 18 left. That secures a 20-19 victory for the Tornadoes. So Mitch, a freshman stepping up. Yeah. Congratulations to Dusty Schultz and that A-Town defense. Man, they got the job done all night. They kept Knoxville in check. But, man, it's gut check time when Knoxville says, we're going for two and we're going to win it here, or at least try to win it. And, man, a freshman steps up and makes the play. Huge credit for the Tornadoes on that one. Yeah, especially against against a back like Peyton Hankins, who's just been running over everybody that's that's came across him this year so. Yeah, incredible play uh, uh, for for Avon there, um, and, and you know it's uh, again I talked about early on. I thought that Knoxville's maybe doing things that I wasn't expecting them to do, and I don't think there's any really. Uh, it, it's no surprise to anybody that they're a, a, a running team. They they have multiple backs. Uh, Hankin is is well over the 1,200 yards at this point, 
So when they get into a 20 to seven hole, that is tough to come back from when you're a running team. Um, so credit to them for getting back into that position and then credit to A-Town for really putting an end to it. Um, and now A-Town remains the only undefeated team in 1A. So um, they are really positioning themselves in a, in a pretty good spot here. Yeah, that this win becomes huge for A-Town because with, as you referenced, Dupec defeated Lena Winslow. So yep. Lena Winslow, one of the top teams in Class 1A all year, is now at one loss. So A-Town sitting undefeated going into Week 9, they have a real good shot of being that top overall seed or that top seed on the northern half of the bracket in Class 1A. So that's, that's huge. Um, Tornado's senior uh, running back and linebacker, Drake DeJanis, 23 carries, 168 yards and a touchdown. On the flip side for the Bullets, Hankins had 118 yards. McClay had 44 yards. So that was who was getting the job done on both sides of the ball. Tornadoes, as we said, moved to 8-0, 7-0 in the Lincoln Trail. They snap a five-game losing streak against Knoxville going back to 2014. And obviously, like we referenced, they clinch a share of the LTC title, this being their first season in the league. So yep. credit, credit to A-Town. We'll talk more about it in a minute here. They can win the conference outright and cap off a perfect regular season with a victory next week over United. United had a big win. That's a tease ahead. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. But Mitch, those yep. were the three conference championships. A-Town yep. gets the win. Erie Prophetstown gets the win and Moline gets the win. So we'll talk more about those conferences as we jump back into it here. So let's hit the reset. Let's go back to the Western big six and we'll start with Galesburg and United township. Galesburg gets the 17 to eight win over UT going through the game action real quick here. United township scored on a 63 yard touchdown pass in the first quarter. Streaks running back Hunter Davina scored on a seven-yard touchdown run before the half, but UT led 8-7 at the break. 30 seconds left in the third. Galesburg would add a field goal to take the lead. And then it would be Sam Satiski. Yeah, so Sam Satiski hit a 35-yard field goal. That gave Galesburg the 10-8 lead with three minutes, a little over three minutes left in the contest. Hunter Davina 38-yard touchdown run. That gave the streaks the 17-8 to lead. That would prove to be enough to be the final score. So, Mitch, senior night for Galesburg out there, a very senior-laden team. So credit to them for getting this job done. I think every senior night is special, but this team had a lot of impact players that were seniors. So credit to them for walking away with a good memory on senior night. Yeah, and, and again, we, we've said it the past seemingly five or six weeks, Galesburg is a really good football team that plays in a really good conference. And so you're going to see their, you know, their, their three and five record. Um, you know, they play all in the next week. So they'll, they'll presumably get to four wins. Um, and so that's a lot to build off of, uh, you know, in coach's first year there um, because a lot of those, those, those games that they lost were, were really close or, or just breaks weren't going their way. But in this one, you know, um, Hunter Davina really looked, you know, um, menacing. I mean, he had 216 total yards, you know, over half of their total offensive output. Um, and, and, you know, with, with a team that has multiple running backs and that have gone down to injury, he really steps up into that role, did a great job here in this game. 
Um, and for UT, you know, they, they've really kind of gone, they started so well. Um, in this game, injuries really caught up. And I think they're on their, their third string quarterback, um, who a sophomore who was a receiver in Corey Randall. So, you know, it, it's just been a tough fall for UT after, after what an amazing, amazing spring that they had. So, um, you know, UT will bounce back, no question, but this was really a nice win for Galesburg. Um, an upset in some, in some ways, in terms of if you looked at the standings before, um, you know, because UT is still knocking on the door trying to get a playoff spot. They've, you know, they've got four wins here. Um, so really, really nice job for Galesburg. Uh, a well-deserved win, not, not just on Friday, but really season, season long. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a nice win for Galesburg. And on the flip side for United Township, they're now sitting at four and four. They were, like you referenced, they were a little banged up in this one at the quarterback position, Matthew Kelly being out. They're four and four. They still have everything ahead of them this yep. year and moving forward. They have so much young talent on this team that they're set up for the next few years to be a competitor going into next week. It's all still right there for them. You know, sitting at four and four, if you can knock off Sterling in week nine, which they did last year in the right. last game of the regular season, they were able to knock off Sterling at Sterling. If they can do that, they're looking at a playoff spot. So it's all still right there for them. Hopefully they can bounce back and play well and, um, you know, see what they can get done. But like I said, either way, there's still a lot to look forward to for this program. So let's move into Rock Island versus Geneseo. Rock Island gets the 48 to seven win. So the Rocks look really good in this one. They improved to five and three on the season. Rock Island senior quarterback, Eli Reese completed 12 of 17 passing 164 yards, three touchdowns. The Rocks get the all important fifth qualifying win for the playoffs. Marion Anderson, three receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown, plus an interception for the Rocks. He's been an impact player. Darius Tongo with a touchdown on 76 yards. Xander George with two touchdowns. Quintarian Brooks. I mean, the names we hear every week, but they've been yep. dynamic and the Rocks look really good in this one. Yeah, this is uh, a game that we've seen a couple times this season where the Rock Island offense really shines. Um, and, and Geneseo kind of in the same boat as, as UT, a really young team, um, and Rock Island being a really good team and a really good conference. So, uh, yeah, good to see Rock Island get their fifth win. Um, they, they should absolutely be making the playoffs. Um, are, is that, are they 6A or 7A this year? Um, I don't know right now. I would believe 6A, but um, usually I think they're 6A. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're, they're whatever it is, you know, when you get to that size and, and you're going to be coming in at, you know, maybe five and four or six and three, you're probably going to get matched up with a team from Chicago who's, you know, who's always going to be tough. So having games like this where your offense really shines, Eli Reese is really hitting all his receivers. And, and like you said, all the names, Anderson, Donga, George, you know, Brooks, all those guys are really playing well. They're going to have to keep doing that because um, they, they will get into the playoffs. Uh, but it's not going to be an easy road. But if they play like this, they're, they're going to have a, a good shot. Let's move down the way to the last game in the Western Big Six from week eight. Quincy gets the 48 to nothing win over Alleman. Blue Devils junior quarterback Aiden Byquist ran for two touchdowns, passed for two more in the first half. That helped the Blue Devils take a 28 to nothing halftime lead. Byquist also had an interception on defense. Gregory Quince had a touchdown reception in the first half and returned a second-half kickoff for a touchdown. So the Blue Devils can qualify for the playoffs with a win next week. They're now sitting at 4-4 four and four overall. They're 3-3 three and three in the Big Six. So quickly, um, you know, looking through the standings, 
Like we referenced, Moline sitting up top with Sterling right behind them, followed by Rock Island, Quincy, and then Galesburg, United Township, Geneseo, and Rock Island, Alleman. So Mitch, as far as the playoff outlook in the Western Big Six, the automatic bids, Moline and Sterling are both in. Rock Island is now at five wins. They're playoff eligible. I expect them to be in. And on the line, Quincy and United Township, both at four and four. And four and five teams can get in, but right. it's not going to be, it depends on your playoff points. Five and right. four would almost, you know, assure you, almost guarantee that you're going to be in. So those are the two that are still playoffs are on the line. So yeah, let's, I think, yeah, I think you guys were talking about this on, on the Reacts pod where, uh, you know, I, I think UT, even though UT and Quincy are coming in with the same record going into the final week, their playoff points are, are vastly different. Um, and, and so w- with Quincy playing Rock Island, where Rock Island has a chance to get the auto bid, Quincy has a chance to at least become eligible. Um, you know, win or lose, they're probably going to have more points than, than UT does in terms of playoff points. Um, and so, yeah, you just, you never know because they could have the same record and be completely different circumstances based on who they played outside of conference. And in this, this case, I think Quincy has the, the upper hand. Yep. All right. Well, let's look into week nine. What games will close out the Western big six United township travels to Sterling. So they're, they're looking for a repeat of exactly what they did in the last week of the spring season, getting that win at Sterling Galesburg at Alleman, Geneseo at Moline. Quincy at Rock Island. So, Mitch, I guess, you know, we ask every week, where's your head go? What's the game you like? Yeah, I, I think Quincy Rocky has the most on the line. Um, like, like I just said, you know, Rocky can not, you know, I think they're in either way, but they can at least lock in um, to to alleviate any sort of worry going into Saturday night. Um, whereas Quincy could, could also become eligible and, and presumably have enough playoff points to get in as well. Um, you mentioned earlier, UT and Sterling was a great game, a, a classic game back in the spring. So, you know, can UT find something, um, you know, maybe against a Sterling team that again is, is banged up a little bit, hopefully not, you know, having too much of a, of a loss hangover from, from losing to two to Moline. So, um, you know, Galesburg again, no offense, Solomon Galesburg's probably gonna get their fourth win. Um, uh, and Moline Geneseo is going to look really great on the field. So, um, you know, even at, at week nine, we're, we're still seeing some, some important matchups and fun matchups here to close out the regular season. I assume you're talking the Uniview matchup between Geneseo and Moline. Yeah, it's going to look awesome. Um, <laughs> without knowing the, the rest of the matchups this week, that's probably the, the, uni, the Uniview matchup of the week because I love both those uniforms. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue that at all. I think the game that stands out to me is United Township at Sterling. I want to see if Sterling can bounce back. And obviously Sterling knows as well as any team that every win from here on out helps those playoff seedings, you know, so they want to get the best seed possible, get the best draw they can, you know, adding on one more win here and man for United Township, it's obvious. I mean, you know, you don't need any more motivation than if you win, you're in the playoffs, you know, like that's what United Township would have loved to have the chance to do last year and the playoffs were taken away from them. So here's all the motivation. It's, it's all right there in front of you. You know, this is a young team, but the opportunity to at least get in the playoffs and get that taste is right there for you. So I, I want to see, you know, how this game plays out. I think there's a lot on the line there. Yep. No doubt. All right, let's move into the three rivers athletic conference, Mitch Saturday afternoon. 
I went out, I was getting groceries. And while I was getting groceries, I thought, you know what? Kiwani and Rockridge are playing. So I'll pull up, I'll pull up WRMJ on my phone and I'll listen to it as I'm walking around getting groceries. And I'm listening to Jim Taylor and Nick Bull on the call. They did a great job and kind of listening along and Rockridge is hanging in there. They're playing great defensively. And as the game, as the game kept going, Jim Taylor and Nick Bull are getting more excited. They're getting more into it. And so this turned out to be, again, maybe a potential game of the year candidate. Because, man, by the time I left the store, I get home and I pulled it up on uh, the uh, live view, live stream because I had yep. to watch the game. I, I had, and by this point, I was so invested in it. Right. Great game. Rockridge takes a 14-13 lead with 747 left to play on a 24-yard Braden Deem touchdown. Austin Vandegeest has the PAT kick to make it 14-13. But man, that's where this game gets crazy. Yeah. Iwani finishes the game with 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Rockridge held him on defense. They got the ball back, looking to get a first down, keep the clock moving, keep the chains moving. They get a pass reception, which was close to a first down. I don't know if it would have been a first down at that point. Yeah. It was close. Yeah. Was it on third down? I think, I think cause it was a third down and yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember what Kiwani's timeout situation was at the time, but I remember thinking, Oh boy, they're going to pass. It, it was kind of like a bang, bang reaction thing. Oh, they're going to pass. Oh, they completed it. Oh, they fumbled it. Um, so yeah, I don't remember from that video if they were at the first down marker. I want to say that they were, I, I want to say that they had enough. Yep. And then, and then it, it, Yeah, it goes, it goes crazy. (laughs) It was really close. Anyway, the ball ends up on the turf and um, Jaden Little is right there to scoop it up. He scoops up, returns it for a 30 yard touchdown run. That puts Kiwani up 1914 with two minutes and 11 seconds remaining. Follow that up with a Nico Poe interception. Quarterback Will Bruno, 42 yard touchdown run. With 45 seconds left, that seals the win. So a great effort. I can't emphasize it enough. A great, great defensive effort from Rock Ridge. They really stuffed what Kiwani was trying to do in this game, really held them in check. But in the end, man, it's a heartbreaking loss. They, this That's a tough yeah. one to swallow. Yeah, and I think even going back to before that fumble, how they got the ball back is Kiwani was driving and they picked off Will Bruno in the end zone. And that yes. was with, yeah. that was with just over two minutes remaining. And so that's where they were in that situation again, where they're trying to bleed the clock. Um, and I, again, I'm, I'm going back to Kiwani's timeout situation because, because Jim and Nick were talking about it. I think Kiwani maybe had one or two, so they, they could still kill the clock. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was right there. And then, football happens because you know we we you know we, we've seen this a lot so it is a heartbreaker for rock ridge they've had a couple games like this this year but kiwani has been resilient they had that that close game against hall a couple weeks ago um and they had their backs against the wall here against rock ridge so um a good job for them uh because they continue to be the, the that top team in the east um i don't know if they've I think they clinch a share by winning this because they, they hold the, the tiebreaker over Princeton. So, yep. um, so yeah, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll look to win that outright, but 
uh, yeah, a very important game for, for them, both in the conference and both for their, uh, their seeding in the playoffs coming up. Yeah. So I referenced Rockridge's defensive effort and you mentioned it a little bit there too. On the flip side, Kiwani's defensive effort. Yeah. Talk about being opportunistic and playing in the moment and not kind of getting distracted or getting kind of losing focus and thinking we lost an opportunity. We didn't capitalize in this game. I got to give a shout out to Brady Clark. He caused the fumble, which then Jaden Little scooped up and scored on. Yeah. So, you know, his, his causing the fumble is every bit as important as Jaden Little being able to grab it and go into the end zone to scoop and score. Both, you know, both players making a huge effort in one of those critical moments. And Mitch, it's like we talked about, if you're going to be a great team and Kiwani is showing that they, they are a great football team this year, if you're going to be that great team and be playoff ready, these are wins you have to have. I think you yeah. have to have those kind of gut check moments to, to be able to rise up in the moment and get and make the plays. And they've, they've done it. They did it in this one for sure. Yeah. You, you want to be tested because you're certainly going to see that with, you know, um, you know, starting in, in two weeks, I guess. Um, so yeah, you want to be able to, to be able to get wins in multiple different ways, have different ways, you know, in, in your bag of tricks. So, uh, again, Kiwani did, it, did, did just that, uh, in this game, uh, as they have in a couple other games this year. So, uh, another impressive performance from, from Will Bruno, um, and, uh, they just continue to roll. Yep. Let's move along to other results. Princeton gets the 49 to 20 win over Bureau Valley. Mitch, we talked about it, the rivalry on Route 20 or on Route 6. First time in 23 years these two play. They're only yeah. 16 miles apart. Princeton has won both of the prior meetings. They get the job done in this one as well. Tegan Davis had five touchdowns. He was 6 of 11, 122 yards and three touchdowns through the air. He also had two rushing touchdowns. Matt Lucas had 103 yards receiving and a kickoff return for a touchdown. So credit to Princeton. They put up big points. And, uh, you know, another tough game for Bureau Valley. They're fighting. They're battling. You know, they're, they're right in a lot of these games. Um, but, man, Princeton's got a lot of firepower. Yeah, just, uh, again, a team that can beat you so many different ways. And, um, yeah, obviously, you know, Princeton is the bigger school. So they're, you know, um, they, they do this a lot <laughs> in the conference. Um, you know, Sam's the Kiwani game. But. Um, Tegan Davis was so good. Matt Lucas, hit, you know, a primary weapon in this one. So, uh, the, the rump, was it the rumble and roar? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The rumble and roar. Um, so yeah, like, like you said, Princeton had won both, both meetings pretty handily, uh, 53 to 16 back in 97, 40 to nothing in 98. And here's another 40, you know, 49 to 20 games. So, um, you know, more importantly, it's good that these games are back, you know, conference realignment can really, uh, is not always a good thing. We, we lose a lot when that happens, but on the flip side of that, we, we gain a lot of these old school rivalries back. So good to see. Um, and again, Princeton really, you know, playing well, they, um, you know, continuing to kind of avenge that loss to Kiwani so that they're, they're in top shape going into playoff time too. Yeah. When you look at, they've now scored 335 points on Ooh. the season. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're right there. They're playing really well. Um, that's the most points scored in the three rivers East on that Eastern side of the conference, um, just ahead of Kiwani who's put up 325. So both, both teams looking very dynamic on offense, Mitch, a pair of other good games in the three rivers. We'll go through them. 
Newman gets the much needed win 24 yeah. to seven over Mendota. Interesting in this one, Newman loses a fumble on the first play of the game. Mendota capitalizes on the short field, goes 13 yards. Anthony Childs in for the seven to, for the touchdown to make it seven, nothing in the first quarter. Newman responds. They're deep in their own territory, but Marcus Davis or Marcus Williams makes it look real easy when he goes yep. 96 yards. That'll flip the script real quick. So yep. Newman and Mendota tied at seven in the first quarter. They'd be tied at the half. Mendota loses a fumble at their own seven. Newman takes advantage of that one. Hunter Leando scores on a seven-yard run in the third quarter. Williams would add another touchdown. He finishes with 118 rushing yards and also had two receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown. So the Comets needed this victory and they come yeah. away with it. Final ends up being 24 to seven. Yeah. Um, a Newman team that we talked about last week, I think, you know, with, with getting Marcus Williams back from, from injury. Um, is this a team you want to see in, in two way? No. I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, they held Mendota to 150 yards. Um, and, and that's, that's not nothing. You know, Mendota has kind of been on a slide a little bit here. Um, I think they were five and zero, and now they're five and three. Um, but regardless, that's, it's still a really good team. And Newman is just playing well at the right time. Um, you know, they're, they're the Boston Red Sox of the track. They, you know, they're going to, they're going to get in and they might make a run. So uh, they get to five and three, you know, they, they qualify for the playoffs for 300 time in school history. And, uh, you know, I, I anticipate that we'll be talking about them for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's interesting to note that Newman improves to five and three Trojans are now also at five and three, but it seems like their trajectories are heading in opposite directions. Like yeah. you said, um, Mendota has now lost two in a row. Um, they still have a neck, a big matchup this next week against St. Bede. Yep. So let's get jump right into that game. St. Bede gets the 15 to 12 win over Spring Valley Hall. Again, Mitch, this Spring Valley Hall team plays well yep. every week. We just, yep. we talk about it just constantly. They've played some great football games and they're coming up just short after being dominated for most of the first three quarters by Hall. St. Bede found a way to rally. They were down they were 12 points down. They come back in the final 10 minutes. They win 15-12, like we said. So just a great effort from them. You know, St. Bede now moves to 6-2 and two on the year. So they're sitting up um, real nice. But still, between Mendota and St. Bede, any extra wins at this time of year helps that playoff seating. So that week nine matchup is really interesting. Yeah, especially with St. B being in 1A this year, where we're going to see so many of our local teams. Um, like you said, seating is going to be really important. Um, and, I, and I imagine we'll be seeing a lot of teams that we cover play each other, maybe in that first round, maybe in the second round, um, some, some cross-conference, or maybe even even teams within the same conference getting a rematch. So, um, yeah, my apologies to Hall, because I think I, I texted this to you as an upset alert, and it was shortly after that that St. B took the lead. So, um but, but like we said, kind of what we talked about with, with, with Galesburg, they're, they're a lot better than one in seven. Um, you know, their, their win was a, was a big win over Morrison. And then they've had a lot of close, close games here, most notably against Kiwani and St. Bede, where they, they just fall by just a few points. Um, so, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, good for St. Bede to get the win. Um, and again, another team um, that 
finds a way to win. And that is a very important thing to have this time of year. Yeah. When you start looking at St. Bede being a class 1A team and potentially being seven and two or at worst six and three, yep. their two losses at this point right now are to Kiwani and Princeton. And if you rewind this podcast back a few minutes, we just talked about those two teams putting up over 300 points right. and they're going to be maybe class 4A and class 3A teams respectively. Yep. So that I think is a St. Bede team that's going to be battle tested going into class 1A. Their record won't show it, but they've played some big, tough competition. Yep. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, and when you, when you got, you know, John Brady and, and Tyreek Forney, as two of your dynamic playmakers, um, I, I don't, I don't quite know against St. Pete's kind of a team that we, we sometimes get good media coverage for or get results from. So I'm, I'm not sure how they even scored the 15, but I imagine those two were involved as they have been all year. Um, on, on defense, we know uh, that, that their defensive lineman is Ryan Migliorini had nine tackles up front. So um, uh, again, a low, low scoring game here in the trenches. Uh, he stood out for sure. Uh, and, and St. B gets a, it gets a much deserved win. Credit to you because I think you got the name right. So I sure hope on- so. Yeah, <laughs> I was nervous. His mom's gonna call or you know email us if it's wrong. Yeah. So that's yeah. <laughs> Send all complaints to Mitch. He's the complaint department. Yeah. Yep, that's fine. All right, let's go through two more games in the Three Rivers. Morrison gets the thirty-four to fourteen win over Riverdale. Morrison using a collection of sophomores to win their second game of the season. Carson Stratting, who we've talked about a few times this year. Goes for over 100 yards. Chase Newman had six catches for 95 yards. So sophomores making plays for the Mustangs. Mitch, you got to love that as a Mustang alum. Your team is getting some young guys in there, getting some experience here. Here's what, here's what I don't like, Greg. I put stable in the notes. That, ah. is, a horse, <laughs> that is a horse pun, and you just blew right through it. That, <laughs> you know, I, I worked so hard at that, and you just blew right through it. Well, here, uh, re- <laughs> re-edit, Morrison using a stable of sophomores to win. Mitch, you got to love that, right? There you go. It reminds me of, of my days when they called uh, the backfield the Pony Express. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, again, Morrison, another team we've talked about, just, you know, uh, you know, if they're low on numbers, maybe low on, on uh, or, or, you know, uh, injury plague, whatever it may be. Um, good to see that they have talent coming up from the ranks. Good to see them getting some, some solid playing time. Like you said, we, we've said straighting Sam a couple times this year. Um, and even with those young guys, Alex Anderson still led the Mustangs in rushing. He had 117 yards. Um, and the Mustangs have really kind of ha- have dominated Riverdale really the past 20, 20 meetings that they've had. They've won 17 of the last 20. So, um, you know, R- Riverdale, tough season for them. You know, they, they've got a chance next week against Sherrard. Um, but good for Morrison to get their second win um, and get a little bit of momentum here. Yep. Let's move on to a team you just referenced. Orion gets the win 56 to seven over Sherrard. So Mitch, we talked about it. We kind of saw it setting itself up. Rockridge almost came away with the win over Kiwani. They couldn't quite get it done. Yep. But that sets us up with a four and four Rockridge versus a four and four Orion. They play each other in week nine. And it could very well mean that one team is in and one team's going home. So yep. what a matchup in week nine. That may as well just segue us straight into our kind of playoff outlook and our week nine, um, you know, week nine matchups. Automatic bids, Kiwani, Princeton, Erie, Prophetstown, Monmouth, Roseville, and St. Bede. 
they're all in. Newman and Mendota are both sitting at five wins, so they are playoff eligible. But this year, with the field the way it looks, it appears five-win teams are safe. They're going to be in. Teams that need a win, we just talked about it, Rock Ridge and Orion. So here we go. Week nine, that's the big one. Rock Ridge at Orion. Mitch, before we go any farther, man, between a, two rivals, you couldn't set itself up any better. The storyline yeah. plays itself out perfectly here. Yeah, what, yeah, what, like you said, what more could you ask for? There's, <laughs> there's so much on the line. Of course, teams can get in at four and five, but that's not what these guys' mentality is going to be at all. Um, they're going to try it's, it's, let's see it. It's at Orion. So it's their senior night. So they're going to be, you know, they're going to be pretty pumped up, but yeah, if, if we have to wait a week for playoff football, this is a good, you know, kind of appetizer because this is, there, there's so much on the line, uh, on that one for sure. What's really interesting to me is Orion gets the big tune up win almost against Sherrard. They put up a lot of points in that game that yeah. they just played. And they have some weapons on offense. Uh, Cole Kratzberg is a name we've called out a lot for Orion. Yep. He's played really well. But you look at what Rockridge did defensively, that becomes a really intriguing matchup to me. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at it from Orion saying, like, just looking at the, the results and the way they played out, it's such a great effort from Rockridge. That's a tough task for Orion to figure out how do we find holes in that Rockridge defense can Rockridge keep playing at that level? That becomes the yeah. question. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, you know, Rockridge still has Braden Dean. Uh, they still have his brother. I, I think it's Carter. I, I I hate if I said that wrong, but I know there's two Deans on the on the uh, on the roster. Peyton Locke. So uh, talk about Rockridge's defense. Orion's defense is really going to have to come to play uh, because that Rockridge offense is still still dynamic, full of weapons. Yep, absolutely. That that could potentially be the game of the week that we end up talking about. Should be a really good one there in Orion. Let's go through the rest of the matchups. On that side of the division, Morrison at Erie Prophetstown. Sherrard is at Riverdale. Kiwani is at Newman. Hall at Bureau Valley. Monmouth-Roseville at Princeton. And Mendota is at St. Bede. So the one crossover game is Monmouth-Roseville at Princeton. And that's a really interesting one. Monmouth Roseville, yep. I think, played pretty well last week, but they fell short against Erie Prophetstown. But man, they got a test this week going on the road to Princeton. But I think if you're the Titans, this is the, or, or if you're the Tigers for that matter, this is the kind of playoff tune up you want. You know, let's, let's go up against a good football team and challenge ourselves before we head to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we talked about a minute ago, we've got what, one, two, three, four, five seven teams that are either automatically or at least eligible to be into the playoffs. So uh, again, while these, while these matchups this week might not factor, you know, into the eligibility of the playoffs, it will certainly matter in terms of seeding and, and where the smaller classes, the one A and two A that's really going to make a difference. So, um, you know, I, I'm uh, St. Beat at Mendota is a good one just to see if Mendota can get things right before the playoffs start. Um, you mentioned Prince of Roseville. That's going to be a great one. How about, you know, Kiwani going, going to Sterling? How, how is Newman going to look in their final game? Um, Cause that's, a, that's a good tune up playing a bigger school going, you know, going into the two way playoffs. It's going to be win or lose going to be a really good experience. And I'll be interested to see how Newman matches up with how well that they've been playing. Um, and, and again, we talked about Rock Ridge Orion. 
Uh, and Sherrod Riverdale, you know, t- two tough uh, seasons for those teams. One of them's going to come out with a win. So, you know, whoever that is, good for good for them to at least be in the win column before the uh, the season ends. So, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good intriguing matchups here in the track uh, to close it out. Yeah, definitely. Interested to see, you know, what Newman can come up with defensively to try to slow down Kiwani. And can Kiwani stay focused and get their offense moving in the right direction and, you know, really kind of, build off of, try to, you know, build off of what they did last week, get get a little better, improve, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Keep building blocks, you know, get back to that high level that you were playing the previous weeks because, you know, Rockridge did a great job of limiting them. So right. can you bounce back? Can they get that offense back up to the, you know, back up to that higher level, I, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. But yep. a lot of intriguing matchups there in the three rivers. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but let's move along to the Lincoln Trail. We already talked about the big one from last week. A-Town gets the 20-19 to win. So they are the, at least a share of the conference championship. That's being the Tornadoes. Other games around the Lincoln Trail. Mercer County gets the 54 to nothing win over Stark County. So the Golden Eagles now winners of five of their last six. So they are playing some great football late in the season, heading into week nine, heading into the playoffs. Anawan Weathersfield gets the 34 to six win over Rova Williamsfield. Darius Dickerson had 239 yards rushing and four touchdowns for the Titans. So that sets up a big matchup between Anawan Weathersfield and Mercer County in week nine. That's always, they've played several times over the years in week nine. Mm Always a very intriguing matchup. We'll get to that in a minute. Princeville gets the 33-16 to win over Ridgewood. And Mitch, maybe the score that stuck out to all of us, huge yep. credit to the United Red Storm. They go yep. on the road to Rushville Industry. They get the 22-18 to win. Great effort from David Milroy and the Red Storm. Back and forth game. United led 14-12 at the half. They punch in another touchdown to go up 22 to 12 and that would be enough to hold on to the win. Mitch, it's the Red Storm's most wins since 2015. So, yeah. credit to United. They're they're back. They're going to be playoff bound, I believe now. So, um Yeah, they, yeah, they that was their their fifth win. Um yep. so they they do get eligible out of matching with the teams that they've played that they've got plenty of playoff points to uh uh to sneak in here. Um and, and a big We'll get to it in just a minute, but a big matchup against A-Town. I, I think United can put up a fight there. So um, don't don't give A-Town the outright, you know, uh, crown just yet because the way United's been playing, they're going to put up a tough fight. Yeah, so let's look through. A-Town and Knoxville are automatically in. They're in the playoffs. They've, they've pushed past the five-win mark. Mercer County, United, and Anawan Weathersfield all sitting at five wins now. And the team that needs a win, Princeville, is sitting – at four and four. So yep. Mitch looking through the week nine matchups, you just talked about it. United at a town. That's intriguing. Anawan Weathersfield at Mercer County. That's another one. It's very intriguing. Ridgewood yep. is in a non-conference game against South Fulton. Knoxville goes on the road to Rova Williamsfield and Stark County wraps up their season on the road at Princeville. So Princeville needs to get the win at home against Stark County to get to their fifth win. But then the other two big ones, United at A-Town. Can United keep the, uh, keep the upsets rolling? Can they win another one? It, yep. You can't have that. 
you know, you can't have that letdown game for a town. Right. They come off the big win, but man, they got to stay focused. Yep. Um, yeah. And again, like we talked about that game has a, a lot riding on the line in terms of seeding. So if a town wants to be that top seed in the North and one, a, they have to win this game. Otherwise they're going to get, you know, into that, I don't know, you know, three, four sort of seating. And then that, that road gets a, a heck of a lot tougher in one, a, um, and, and yeah, I think Princeville will get the win over Stark County, um, and get that, uh, that fifth win to hopefully get them in. Uh, so then, yeah, all the eyes go to, to Anawan, uh, Weathersfield going to Mercer County, uh, in two teams trying to get that automatic bid. So, um, that'll be, that'll be a good one that I'll, I'll have a, a lot of interest in to see, uh, you know, and I don't want Weathersfield really looked good with Darius Stickerson this week. Mercer County has obviously been uh, on, on a roll lately. And speaking of, if you're going to pull up audio from me predicting Moline was going to win, you need to go back four weeks to when the Golden Eagles were two and three, I think, or two and two at least. Uh, and you predicted that they were going to uh, make it to the playoffs. So the, if you're going to give me credit, I'm going to throw it right back to you because you had that one absolutely right. Yes. Uh, at one point, uh, Mercer County was sitting at one and three. They, okay. they were one and three and they, uh, they went, I just looking down the schedule and they went, <clears throat> they went on a winning, winning streak here. So now it's four in a row with a chance to get their fifth in a row here that this should be a great game. Um, yep. the, these two programs, you know, we talked about it before the season started that these are two of the heavy hitters in the conference year in and year out this year, Knoxville and a town kind of jumped up there and kind of you know, took that top perch, but these two teams are going to do battle. It should be a great one. It's a perfect way to end the LTC schedule. So yep. we'll have a lot to talk about with that one, I'm sure. And where they end up in the playoffs, you know, moving ahead. So yep. Mitch, the last conference here left to cover the Northwest upstate Illini and Mitch, when it comes to the NUIC, the big games, the biggest of the big games were kind of in week seven when you had yeah. Dupec beating Lena Winslow and you had Fulton knocking off Forreston. Yep. So now this week didn't quite have the marquee games that we've seen in the other conferences that we just covered, but some teams continuing to do great work here. Dupec gets the 48 to 15 win over Galena. You know, we've talked about Galena having some talent this year, but Dupec really kind of flexes their muscles and really shows that, you know, they are maybe, you know, they can prove that they are the best team in the, Northwest Upstate Illini getting the convincing win there. Not far behind him, though. Lena Winslow gets the 48 to 6 win over Stockton. So they continue to look good. This Lena Winslow team, they're going to be a force in the playoffs. You know, one loss doesn't make them fall too far in the standings, and it doesn't do anything as far as their talent is concerned. They're going to be right there in 1A. Yeah, they're absolutely probably still going to be the, the, the favorite, at least in my eyes, in 1A. Uh, and, and going back to Dupec, you know, even though they did have that big win over Lena and, w and would kind of hold the tiebreaker if it came to it, uh, they still had to win. You know, they, they had to win to the, uh, this past Friday to at least get their share. Um, so it was a big win in, in terms of that. So they at least do get a share. They can win it out right next week. Um, and, and they continue to look good because they're with, with Newman getting that qualifying win. They're going to stay in 2A. That pushes Dupec to 3A. Uh, so now, now we know where they're going to land. Um, and they're really playing well, uh, getting ready for that. But, uh, but yeah, two, two really solid wins, bounce back win for, for Lee win. Um, and as I mentioned, I, I, I don't, 
I wouldn't be able to predict a team that has better odds to win the title than Lee win in one a, that doesn't mean that they're going to, uh, but that loss isn't going to affect their end goal. I, I don't, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah. Like we talked about with several other teams, they still have everything ahead of them to play for. And Mitch, we had a uni view uh, from Dupec, didn't we? Yes. Yes, we sure, we sure did. Uh, obviously we've seen it a lot this month in October uh, as breast cancer awareness uh, month marches on. We've seen a lot of teams. I saw St. Bede had, uh, had a painted or a taped pink stripe up the helmet. You've seen a lot of teams wearing wristbands or socks or whatever it may be. Dupec probably went above and beyond more than any others. They debut their brand new black and pink jerseys. Um, you know, we, we've seen, you know, we saw a couple uh, patriotic themed jerseys earlier this year. Um, but these Dupec ones are, they, they maintain in their Adidas set of a nice shade of pink um, that, that really popped. And, uh, you know, I hope that they, they keep it in the closet for, for games in October, September, August, doesn't matter because it looks good. So, um, yeah, this was a, this was a cool and unexpected look to, to see. And uh, yeah, they are well-deserving of Uniview of the Week. Yeah, so we got the, uh, the Uniview stamp of approval for Dupec and for yep. their cancer awareness uniforms. Yep, really solid look. And hey, Mitch likes that shade of pink, so they nailed it. Sure it's do. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. All right. East Dubuque gets the 22-12 win over Dakota. Warriors playing spoiler on Dakota's homecoming, and they get their second win of the season. East Dubuque led by Sam Huntington had 177 yards rushing, 76 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. Sam Bowman was eight for 13 passing with 129 yards. He also had a rushing touchdown, and Brevin Lee picked up 37 yards through the air. Mitch, this East Dubuque team, I think they were kind of snake bitten with some injuries over the over the course of the season. They had a lot of talent on this team. So good yeah. to see them get a win here. Um, because I think that there was, you know, a lot left out there that just, you know, we'll never really know because they had some injuries, but uh, great effort by them to get the win here. Yeah. And that was probably my type on the notes. I think that was their third win of the year. I think they I think they moved to three and five, I think. Um either, either way, yeah, like you said, tough year. Uh, but we've, we've called Sam Bowman's name a lot. So um, I'm not sure what, what grade he's in, but this is a program that I, I think kind of knew that they might struggle a little bit in terms of the standings. Um, but uh, I wouldn't count them out moving forward. You're correct. Yes. That was their second conference win, their third win okay. overall. Okay. So yes, they get to their third win overall. They're sitting at three and five on the season. Fulton gets the 63 to 14 win over Eastland Pearl city. They get an automatic berth into the 1A playoffs with the win. Keegan Van Campen, 156 yards, four touchdowns on 16 carries. So he continues to get the job done. The steamer's looking good there. Yep. Another team continues to roll along. Actually bounce back in this one. Forreston gets the 36-7 to win in the non-conference game against Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. Cardinals controlled every aspect of this game, dominating in a win over a team that is usually a, you know, a power type team in 2A slash 1A, depending on where things fall. Um, I don't know if it's quite the same Gibson City, Melvin Sibley team this year, but either way, it's a great non-conference win for Forreston. Um, so Cardinals scored early and often defense remained tough as Forreston led 20 to nothing at the half. The lead would move to 36 nothing in the fourth quarter. 
before Gibson City Melvin Sibley would get on the board. Forreston paced by 75 yards rushing by Caleb Sanders, Noah Johnson, Devontae King-Black, Micah Nelson, and Jacob Fiorello also had touchdowns. So great effort by a host of Cardinal running backs. They have just, you know, multiple backs that can get the job done. You know, Gibson City, a traditional power. They do have some real star power at the running back position. Uh, Aiden Lowry, but he was uh, hurt in week one, and they haven't had him all season. But it, regardless, a, a great win for Forreston to bounce back following a tough loss. Um, and uh, again, like you said with, with Fulton, two teams that are really not going to be fun to play <laughs> in the one day playoffs. Uh, and it just goes to show with Lena Fulton, Forreston, whoever else. Um, but uh, that title for, you know, all intents and purposes runs through the NUIC. And this year with the addition of Fulton, it's going to be no different. Yeah, it, it seems to shape, the, shape up that way every year. Definitely what we're looking at right now. So looking at the NUIC 11-man standings, Dupec at 7-0 in conference play, Lena Winslow at 6-1, followed by Forreston and Fulton at 5-2. So that's the top end of the Northwest Upstate Illini. The automatic bids in the, in the uh, conference, Dupec, Lena Winslow, Forreston, and Fulton, those same four teams we just mentioned. Galena now in a position to need a win in week nine to be playoff eligible at five wins. I believe that would get them in there at four and four right now. So let's look through the schedule. Dakota is at Fulton. Galena is at East Dubuque. So a team we talked about who just came off a big win playing well and Galena's coming, going on the road to their place against them in East Dubuque and um, going to need that win. So that should be an intriguing matchup. Forreston on the road at Lena Winslow. You talk about 1A powers going up against each other. That should be a great football game. Eastland Pearl City in non-conference action against Walther Christian and Dupec at Stockton to round it out. So, man, I think right off the bat, you got to talk Forreston at Lena Winslow. You know, you talked about the road to the championship in 1A probably runs through the NUIC it may be one of those teams right there and they're playing each yep. other in week nine. Yeah. Um, you know, like what we talked about for a couple of different teams in different conferences, what more, what more can he ask for going into the final, you know, uh, final week of the season. And really for Lena, if you, if you, you know, go back to end their season, two of the three weeks playing Dupec and Forreston, again, really good experience as you try and, you know, uh, repeat your crown. They're still the defending champs. So, um, you know, opposed to having those games early on in the year, um, you know, and having a front-loaded schedule and maybe ease off the second half. Lena was not, you know, uh, going to do that with the games that they had the second half of the year. So good experience for them. Um, and uh, yeah, a game that, again, is going to determine a lot of the seeding in 1A. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, you know, playoffs in Class 1A, like we just talked about, Galena needs the win at East Dubuque. That should be an interesting rivalry game in week nine. Certainly a lot on the line for Galena and can East Dubuque play that spoiler role? You know, can they, can they rise up and get, and get the job done there? We'll be talking all that and we'll, you know, have plenty to talk about come playoff time in the NUIC because there'll be teams that will certainly be in the mix and we'll probably be talking about them for multiple weeks when we talk playoffs. So well, let's wrap it up, Mitch. We'll stay in the NUIC looking at the eight-man division. 
Orangeville gets the big win on Saturday, 55-8 to eight over Amboy. Orangeville, once again, led by Gunnar Lobdell, 157 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving, five total touchdowns. Carson Rote, four for five passing, 223 yards and three touchdowns. Braden Cahoon caught two of his passes for 160 yards and two touchdowns. And Blake Fulgate chipped in 59 yards rushing with a touchdown as well. So Orangeville continues to look impressive. And Mitch, the interesting note is they'll head into the playoffs on a bye week because in week nine, they were supposed to play Ashton Franklin Center, who forfeited their season. So that's something interesting to note that they will actually have a week to rest up. I don't know. We've debated on the the importance of that or whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But, um, you know, either way, they have a week off in week nine. Yeah, they'll be sitting at uh, eight and one, um, you know, heading heading into playoffs. So they'll have a pretty good seed and and what's going to be a very, very tough eight man uh, playoff bracket. They see things a little bit differently than than the one through eight teams do. Um, so I think it's more fun the way that eight man does it. So, uh, yeah, despite them getting that bye week, I, I say that just because <laughs> it might work out for them heading into playoffs, but, um, they do get the, the eighth win. So they'll be sitting pretty good in the seedings. Well, speaking of teams that are sitting pretty good, continuing to play well, Aquin gets the 38 to 18 win over Bushnell Prairie city. That game was also on Saturday. Polo gets the 64 to eight win over Hiawatha. Hey, Mitch, how about this stat? Tyler Meridian, four for four passing for 190 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's as efficient as it gets. That's about as efficient as it gets. Yes. Brock Soltau with seven rushes for 183 yards, two touchdowns, and a 55 yard touchdown catch. 512 yards of offense. For Polo, all keyed by lineman Wade Reamer. So great job by the line and by Reamer to get the job done. The Marcos continue to impress. They move on. They are now sitting at 8-0. They're perfect on the season. They're projected to be that top seed in uh, yep. in 8-man. So um, credit to them. Milledgeville gets the bye week. They get the win over what would have been Ashton Franklin Center. And then our last game, River Ridge gets the 44 to 30 win over Alden Hebron. So Mitch, when you look at the eight man standings on this side of the state, Polo 8-0, Milledgeville at 7-1, Orangeville at 7-1, Aquin now at 6-2, Amboy at 4-4, River Ridge at 3-5. But those top four teams that I mentioned, they've really separated themselves. Let's look through week nine matchups. And we'll talk a little bit about what's good to come in the playoffs, potentially. Amboy in week nine will go on the road to Alden Hebron. So they're looking for an important fifth win. Aquin goes on the road to Polo. So that's a huge game. Aquin yep. could really, you know, shake some things up if they can come off with the upset. Polo looks to keep moving right along. They're primed for that top seed if they can win this one. River Ridge at Hiawatha, South Beloit at Milledgeville. So, and Orangeville gets the forfeit win like we just referenced. So they will not be playing. Mitch, when you look at this eight-man standings, Kyle Campmeyer from NUICfootball.com has his projections out right now. He's projecting Polo to be 9-0. They'd be the top seed. 
Yep. But what's interesting is then Milledgeville gets the two seed at eight and one, but you also have Orangeville down there at the three seed and Aquin comes in at the six seed where potentially Aquin's only losses will be to the teams we just referenced, Polo, Milledgeville, yep. Orangeville. So very good resume. Now, Kyle was quick to remind me that there are some teams, the southern part of the state, they're going to mm-hmm. be really tough sitting in there at a four seed like West Central or Martinsville at five, even like St. Thomas More and Decatur Lutheran, both at six and three. They play each other in an eight, not potential eight, nine matchup. So, yep. you know, these aren't set in stone, but Kyle's projections as they are laid out, it's really interesting where Milledgeville's down there grouped in with Orangeville and Aquin and Polo would go up top. So a lot to be sorted out, but just something to to keep in mind that it would be Polo going, you know, in one half of the bracket and the other half or the other teams going down to the other end. So it is seated straight one through 16, which I think we both can agree. We love that. That's great. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be exciting again, as if anyone you know, is, is new to eight man. It's not sanctioned at least, or, or at least not recognized as an, as the quote unquote official state champ, championship by the IHSA. Uh, but cool to see that they do their, you know, the kind of their own thing. Uh, Cause it's well-deserving for a lot of these teams who are, are really, really good football teams. And uh, you're going to see a very, very stacked, uh, you know, playoff playoff model and uh, a really good couple of weeks of eight man football. Yeah. The, the state championship game for eight man will be played at Monmouth college. I don't know. It's around the same time as the rest of the state championships. It might be a week before um, the rest of the state. I'm not exactly sure on the date, but it is at Monmouth College. So okay. I'm excited. Maybe maybe I have to make a road trip to Monmouth uh, yeah. and catch the catch an eight-man state championship game, especially if some of our NUIC teams are, are playing in there. That could be a ton of fun. So yep. Mitch, here we go. Knocking on the doorstep of playoff time. The next yep. time we talk, we will have brackets in hand. Yeah. Yeah. That'll that's again, it, it's super exciting. Um, Cause this is like, we always talk about just uh, a special time of the year, um, just in terms of the, uh, the pageantry of high school football in our area. And both, cause we have a lot of teams. Like I think I mentioned earlier, we have something like 20 potential eligible teams. So, uh, you know, I, I think I made the joke before that it's job security, um, but it gives us a lot to talk about. <laughs> Yes, it certainly does. Well, Mitch, I'm excited. You know, ne- yep. next week, uh, you know, at least a week from now when we record, the, the banter and the debate will be over. We'll know the brackets. Well, I guess yep. the, the banter won't be over. We'll still have plenty to no, banter yeah. about. But, uh, you know, the debate will be over. The, the bracketology part of it will be done. We'll be looking with brackets in hand and kind of figuring out how it all played out. So that is a ton fun. of fun. Yeah, and, re- and remind everyone where you're going to be Saturday night for the. I live, was just, live. I, I was just going to say. So you know, a week from now we will be recording with all of the knowledge in front of us. But <laughs> next Saturday, playoff pairing Saturday, I will be joining Kyle Campmeyer from NUICFootball.com and several other uh, football hosts, several other football personalities to break down, you know, everything from all over the state, from eight man, one A, two A, and three A. You know, we'll be basically talking about the brackets as they're announced. So join us on YouTube live, just go to YouTube and uh, search NUIC football and you'll find them. Um, I'm really excited. They, they know their stuff up there. And uh, yep. so we're all trying to compile 
you know, some information from teams around the state, from people that we know. So we'll have plenty to talk about and um, we'll see how the brackets shape up. And then, you know, Mitch, I'll come back and me and you will sit down and figure it all out and sort it all out. So yeah, sounds good. I, I cannot wait. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who listens. Follow along on Friday nights on Twitter. We're giving you all the scores, giving you all the uh, information that you need. And we'll be back next week to talk some playoff football. So for Mitch, I'm Greg Armstrong. We will see you next week talking Illinois high school football playoffs. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.